0: 62 cp bayonet point wtbn pinellas park portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time up next is verse by verse sponsored by verse by verse ministries
1: here's the way it's laid out citizens of his kingdom in contrast To everyone else, especially religious hypocrites, have pure hearts, and the point is they, and they alone, shall see God. Now, do you realize what an amazing statement that is? Jesus said, only those who have pure hearts will see God. That's an amazing statement.
2: If we all want to see God, and Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that only the pure in heart will see God, then we had better find out what it means to be pure in heart. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve is teaching about the character of true disciples, and our main text today is Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, also known as the sixth beatitude. Let's turn our Bibles there now and begin finding out what it means to be pure in heart. Here is Pastor Steve.
1: Well, let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 as we continue our study in the Gospel of Matthew, specifically in the Sermon on the Mounds, and in even more specifics in the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, is where we find ourselves this morning. And it says this Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, this statement by Jesus is the sixth beatitude found in this sermon. And although it consists of only a few words, actually 11 in English and 10 in the Greek text, it is packed with so much profound truth that it has been referred to as one of the greatest utterances in all of the Bible. That's an amazing statement. One of the greatest utterances in in all the Bible. In fact, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who I've mentioned to you a number of times, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, wrote a commentary. Actually, they were his sermons put together in commentary form on the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, if you know anything about Lloyd-Jones, you know that uh, he was very detailed, could be even tedious, meticulous, very much concerned with being concise. And so when he wrote about something, it was rather expansive. And this commentary is nearly 350 pages. But here's what he said, and this is my point, in case you're wondering, what is his point? Here's my point. In nearly 350 pages, here's what Lloyd-Jones said about this one brief statement, this beatitude of, of only 10 Greek words. He said, here then, we are face to face with one of the most magnificent and yet one of the most solemn and searching statements, which can be found anywhere in Scripture. Now, as I said, if you know anything about Lloyd Jones, you know that is an amazing statement because he wrote about a lot of things in scripture. And yet, this is what he said. It's one of the most magnificent, yet one of the most solemn and searching statements in all of the Bible. So what is it about this, this sixth beatitude that merits so much praise, generates such uh, lofty and high compliments? Here it is. It's because this sixth beatitude deals with one of the most significant and all-encompassing themes in scripture, and that is purity, of heart. Purity of heart. See, essentially, biblical Christianity is a faith of the heart. It's a faith of the heart. Jesus made it very clear that his primary concern had to do with our hearts. Remember when a man said to him, what's the greatest commandment? Of all the commandments in the, in the scriptures, what's the greatest? Jesus said, essentially, that the greatest commandment was to love God with what? All of your heart. All of your heart. And he condemned the Pharisees because in their hypocrisy, they neglected their hearts but paid paid all the attention to the outward appearance of religion. He said this in Matthew 23. He said, he called the Pharisees whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all un- uncleanness. Meaning they had impure hearts. They, they just looked good on the outside. That's all they paid attention to, ceremonial cleansings and, and outward behavior. But beneath the surface, they were wicked, wicked hearts. Once again, speaking of them, Jesus said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Which means that, that God is not impressed with empty religious talk. God is not impressed at all. He wants hearts that are devoted and hearts that are surrendered to him which the pharisees did not have and really that's what the sixth beatitude is about jesus said that citizens of his kingdom remember that's the beatitude these are this is how the citizens of his kingdom behave and in the uh or the sermon on the mount sing, how citizens of his kingdom behave and in the beatitudes how they specifically are in terms of their character here's it here's the way it's laid out citizens of his kingdom in contrast To everyone else, especially religious hypocrites, have pure hearts. And the point is they and they alone shall see God. Now, do you realize what an amazing statement that is? Jesus said only those who have pure hearts will see God. That's an amazing statement about the whole concept of seeing God. As, As one Bible teacher put it, seeing God is the biggest, most momentous, most tremendous thing that you can ever be told. It really is. There is nothing more important than seeing God. That is the goal of all of us, to be in his presence and see him. That is the desire of of all. And really, Jesus promised that those who are pure in heart and only those who are pure in heart will see him. But as important as these truths are, and as we said, these are very important truths, purity of heart, seeing God, I want you to know that this sixth beatitude has not been given the attention that it deserves by, by Bible teachers and by Christians. And, and the reason that it's been a neglected beatitude is for the very reason that these concepts of seeing God and purity of heart pose uh, serious interpretive challenges. They're not easy to interpret. The, the phrase pure in heart, the phrase to see God. They tend to raise questions in our minds that are challenging and not easy to answer. Let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about. For example, when Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, it raises the question, was our Lord talking about a state of sinlessness? Does this beatitude teach that believers can reach a state of sinless perfection? Did Jesus mean blessed are the perfect for they only will see God. You have to be perfect to see God. You have to attain to that. Is that what he meant? Well, that's what some would would say about this. Another question raised by this beatitude is what exactly did Jesus mean even by the word heart? We use the term heart normally to speak of our uh, affection, unless we're talking about the physical organ. We we would speak normally of it, referring to our affection, referring to uh, emotions, with Valentine's Day, we might say to our special person, I, I love you with all of my heart. Is that what Jesus meant? Was he using heart that way? In that case, then Jesus must have been saying, blessed are those who have their emotions purified. Is that what He was talking about? That's an interpretive issue. And what about the term pure? Normally, when we use the word pure, we're using it in a moral context. So was Jesus saying, blessed are those who are morally and sexually pure? Only those who have never had an impure thought they'll see God? What about that last phrase, for they shall see God? In what sense will the pure in heart see God? Will we visually see him in the future? Or did Jesus mean that right now there's some kind of spiritual sense in which those who are pure in heart see him? See, these are not easy questions to to answer, but we have to answer them if we're going to discover what this magnificent beatitude is about. We don't want to neglect it. We want to have biblical integrity, and and it's, it's given to us in order for us to understand. But that means we have to think a little bit, we have to dig a little bit, and we have to look at this closely. And I think the best way to arrive at an understanding of this text is to break our Lord's sentence down into three key words. Just three key words opens it all up. The first word is heart. The second word is pure. The third word is see. Once we put these words under a biblically controlled microscope, and examine them, then we'll be able to understand and put it together and figure out the meaning of this tremendous beatitude. So let's begin by looking at the first word, which is a key word that helps us to understand what Jesus meant by this statement the word heart. Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart. Heart is foundational. I, I understand the English text that pure comes before it, but you have to understand heart first because if you don't understand what Jesus meant by the term heart, then you'll, you won't understand what he meant by the word pure heart. And if we don't have a pure heart, then we can't see God. So, so heart is foundational. So what did he mean by that? Well, the Greek word for heart is cardia. Cardia, which is uh, from which we get our English word uh, cardiac. Similar terms, a cardiologist is a specialist in the heart. Cardiac and similar terms related to that physical organ within us that circulates and pumps blood throughout our bodies. That's where we get that word from. However, when scripture uses the word heart, and, and I might add it uses it hundreds of times, it's a very common, common Greek word and used many, many times in scripture. When Scripture uses it, it almost always uses it, not in a physical or in a literal sense. Once in a while it does that, but usually not. It's not usually presented in a physical or literal sense, but in a figurative sense to represent our inner person, the very center of our personality. In other words, the heart in Scripture means the very center, uh, the very core of our beings. The heart is the source from which everything else flows. Peter said, spoke of the hidden man of the heart. For example, out of the heart, the Bible says, flows emotions. Emotions are not the same thing as the heart, but emotions flow from the heart. David said in Psalm 27, verse 3, my heart will not fear. I will not let fear emanate from my heart. In another Psalm, he wrote, my heart leaps for joy. You just look at this, and I'm just giving you a few examples. From these statements, you see that David connected fear and, and joy as emotions that came from his heart. Jesus said the same thing in John 14:1 to his troubled disciples. He said, let not your hearts be what? Troubled. Their hearts were troubled. That was an emotion that was coming from their hearts. But the heart is is not only the seat of the emotions, it goes beyond that. It is also the fountain from which our our thoughts, our our mental thoughts flow. Jesus often associated thinking as coming from our hearts. For example, a little bit later in the Sermon on the Mount, he'll speak about a man committing adultery with a woman in where? In his heart, in his heart. The heart is, is used here by Jesus in the sense of a man's thought life in his mind, the mental process. In Mark 9, 4, Jesus asked some scribes, why are you thinking evil in your hearts? And in John 12, 40, Jesus spoke of certain individuals who though they had seen many of his miracles, yet because they were spiritually blinded, spiritually dead, he said that they could not understand with their hearts. And the apostle Paul also associated the heart with with mental understanding in Second Corinthians when he's when he's talking in in chapter three about about the uh, the blindness of people. He speaks specifically about the Jewish people. Though all people are, are blind without Christ, but the Jewish people, he said, have an extra blindness upon them. He said they have a veil that covers their hearts. They read the Old Testament, but they have a veil that covers their hearts. Meaning they have a spiritual blindness that prevents them from understanding the truth in their hearts. But but hearts here are used like we would use the term mind. Later in that same letter, Paul, speaking of the, uh, the heart, as we might once again speak of the mind, tells the Corinthians that each man should financially give to the Lord as he has purposed in his heart. In other words, whatever amount you've decided to give in your mind, give it but mind is used almost synonymously with the heart. Now, these are just a sampling of many verses that indicate that when Scripture speaks of the heart, it is referring to the very core, the very center of our beings. It's that hidden inner part of us that is the source of every emotion, every thought, every motivation, every ambition, every desire, every affection, every word, and every activity. In other words, the heart in Scripture stands for the total inner man, the total inner man. It represents that inner person, as I said, the very core of our beings. Simply put, the heart refers to that internal part of us, inside of us, that, that drives us to do what we do. That's how Scripture speaks of the heart. I think that Proverbs 4.23 sums it up perfectly, Proverbs says, watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs or the wellsprings of life. In other words, everything in our lives flow out of our hearts. That's where everything starts with us. Our emotions, our thinking, our our decisions, it all comes from our hearts. It stems from our hearts. And folks, therein lies the problem. That's the problem. You see, our hearts always get us in trouble because we have fallen hearts. Ever since Adam sinned and we fell in him, our hearts have been wicked. Everyone born into this world has a sinful, wicked heart. The problem with the world is not, is not a great, uh, more need for education, although that plays a part. It's not, the issue is not that they need more finances, they need more, uh, more uh, social standing, they need a better environment. That all plays a part, but that's not the root problem. The root problem is a sinful heart. Jeremiah said the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Jesus, the divine cardiologist, expanded on Jeremiah's general diagnosis by giving a more more specific assessment of the human heart. Here's what Jesus said lies within each of us, lies within each of our hearts, hidden from what anybody else can see, but this is what lies hidden from human sight within each of our hearts, just waiting to come out in our behavior provoked by the right set of circumstances. He said, for out of the heart, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting, and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, evil slander, pride, and foolishness. Now that's not a good report from a cardiologist. That's not what you want to hear from the divine cardiologist, but that is truth and that is consistent with what the rest of scripture says. Now, this doesn't mean that we always behave this way, but as God looks at our hearts, that's what he sees. We behave this way inwardly. It may not come out with many of us. It does come out, but that's what he sees within us. Starting in Genesis, we're told that God said the reason that he judged the earth with the flood in Noah's day, it was because of man's heart problem. What Jesus said was, was simply what the rest of Scripture says. It says this in Genesis 6 5 Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that, watch this, every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now he's talking about all unbelievers on the planet except for Noah and his family, and he says all of their thoughts emanating from their hearts were evil all of the time. There was no break. Continual. Later in biblical history, King David, knowing the evil condition of his own sinful heart, cried out to God in Psalm fifty-one, verse ten: "Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me." And later in biblical history, Paul wrote to the Romans, looking back at at ancient society that had the truth of God revealed to them through creation, through nature, and yet they rebelled against that truth. And instead of being worshipers, the Bible says that they became speculative fools, philosophers who now worshiped uh, the creature and not the creator. And the Apostle Paul characterized that society, and I would say it's true of our society as well, as having darkened hearts, hearts without understanding. God turned off the light because they turned away from the truth. And Paul said of of them and all who continue to reject Jesus Christ in romans two five that they have stubborn and unrepentant hearts, stubborn self-willed hearts that refuse to repent. so man is a heart problem is he a heart problem, and that's a serious problem that's not a light issue. in fact, that is the issue of life because the Bible says that God looks on the heart. what you and I can't see beneath the surface of anybody's heart, God does. And he sees clearly and he sees it all. And he's not impressed with what might impress us. Surface, religious behavior, spiritual sounding talk. God's not impressed with that. The Pharisees had all of that and Jesus condemned them as, as hypocrites. You want to read some of the strongest language reserved for any group in scripture, read Matthew 23. As Jesus gives his woes upon the Pharisees, he wasn't impressed with them. Everybody else in that society was, but not, not the Lord. See, God looks beneath the surface, and He sees what's hidden from the sight of others. He sees our true thoughts. He sees our true motives, desires, attitudes. He he sees those things that you'd like to say to others, but but wisdom causes you to refrain. But you've said it in your heart. God sees that. He sees what we're really like. He sees what no one else can see. And that's why this tremendous verse in Hebrews 4.13 says, There is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. This destroys the attitude of self-righteousness. The self-righteous think that God doesn't see. Their, Their interest is only appearing to be righteous before men. But essentially, the writer to the Hebrews says that we all appear naked before God. He sees in us. It's a continual MRI. God sees us. Remember the great uh, statement that God said to Samuel, the, the Old Testament prophet, who was really a very godly man, but there was a point in Samuel's life when God told him to go and look for the next king of Israel where he became too enamored and too impressed with the physical stature of one of, one of Jesse's sons. And God really had to rebuke Samuel because he was, he was too caught up in the physical and here's what God said to him. Do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I have rejected him for God does not see as man sees. Meaning that, that yes, uh, the children of Israel would be very impressed and their enemies with a tall, handsome leader. But God said, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's why God said he took a little shepherd boy called David, made him king of Israel to shepherd his sheep, he figured that if he could shepherd these little sheep, Baz over here, the Ba over here, he can shepherd the children of Israel. In 1 Chronicles 28, 9, David grew up and told his son, Solomon, as for you, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind for the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. Now that is quite a statement. In other words, God looks at our hearts and he knows every motive behind our thoughts, even when we're not always aware of all our motives. We have, a, we have a mixture of motives, but God sees all motives and his desire for us is that we would serve him with hearts that are completely devoted and surrendered to him. But you see, here's the issue. That requires a change of heart. That requires a change of heart. How can we have hearts that are fully devoted to him when scripture tells us that our hearts are evil and deceitful and darkened and stubborn and unrepentant and that's the natural man? The answer to that question lies within an understanding of the second key word that Jesus spoke of in this beatitude. The first key word is heart. That's the core of our being, the center of who we are, the inner man from which everything springs forth. But the second key word that Jesus mentioned is pure pure. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. Pure in heart. Despite Christ's negative assessment of the human heart, here he says that some people, specifically those who are citizens in his kingdom, are pure in heart. Now, what did he mean by that? Did he mean that a believer can be sinless? Is that what purity of heart means? No, that, that's impossible that he meant that because that would con- contradict the rest of scripture. 1 John chapter 1 says that believers, one of the marks of being a true believer is that you repent and confess your sin. You don't hold on to it. You have to know that you've sinned. Believers confess their sin. We still have sin. In fact, John said, if we say that we have no sin, we lie and we deceive ourselves. No one can reach a, a point of perfection in this life. In fact, I'm in studying about this, I was reminded of the story I read about Charles Spurgeon, who was at a conference one time and heard a speaker say that he had reached a, a place of sinless perfection in his life. And so the next morning, Charles Spurgeon decided to, uh, to see if that was true. So he went behind the man at breakfast while he was eating with a group of people and poured cold milk on his head. He saw right away the man was still a sinner. I don't advise that necessarily, but... Uh, but maybe the right person. But however, scripture says that that you never in this lifetime attain perfection.
2: Even the apostle Paul admitted his struggles with sin as we will see on the next Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve Kreloff continues this lesson from the Sermon on the Mount. We will also learn more about purity of heart. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These Bible Classes of the Air are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. We're on the web at versebyverseradio.org. If you visit our website, you can find today's lesson and hundreds of previous ones available as MP3 files for free downloading. We also have information that will explain how you can help keep these classes on the air. To listen to the entire message from which we base today's class, please give us a call at 727-239-0306. You can order an audio CD or a cassette tape. That number again is 727-239-0306. We will see on the next verse-by-verse that a pure heart is not...